Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as light workers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's the Word, we will discuss a word, think community, balance, tenacity, etc., in hopes of motivating our audience to incorporate more of that into their lives. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Okay, happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the Dreamcatchers. Hi, Brian, our lovely guest today. We're going to have you introduce yourself in just a moment. Um, My name is Jamie Stozer, for those who don't know me. And my sister Marissa and I are the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners and started this podcast, as many of you know, um, really, I think it's like two and a half years ago now. Um, And we're just so thrilled to have folks like Brian and on our show because we get to talk to people who inspire us that we followed along with um, throughout our journeys in New York City. And so, so honored and happy to have him here with us today to share his story And I'll have him introduce himself in just a moment. But welcome back. This is an episode of What's the Word? And today's word, drumroll, is joy. And I think we talked about this a little bit before we came on air. um, But joy is not an easy thing to find these days, as we know. So finding the simple joys and and following those joys in your career journey and in your career path um, can be super easy some days super difficult some days. And then also with that, bringing joy to others through your career choices is a challenge. So excited to talk about some of those topics with our guests today. Marissa, do you have anything you want? Yeah, I was, I was going to say happy Friday to all saying the words, happy Friday. And that's a joy. I think that, um, I said off camera and I will say on camera, uh, as a, as a grown up, as a human, as a working parent, and, and really anyone in any season, in any chapter of their life right now, every day is a bitch. It is. There's like a million things that happens all day long from the minute you open those eyeballs to the minute you pass out on the couch and then transfer yourself into your bed. There's something that like goes on the whole day. And we don't even talk about 90% of them. We just swallow them down. But finding the small joys or the full, the, the moments of laughter, professionally and personally, really, if, if, if that's not what life is about, I don't know what it is. And I think it's what's kept us all chugging along this year. So when we reconnected with Brian through a, a good friend of ours, a choice, um, my friend, Sarah Gould, who I've been working with for a very long time, you know, he and I had a really good talk about happiness at work and his choices in his professional life. And he has a really good story. And when we were done talking, I was like, so Brian, <laughs> I'm going to need you to be on the podcast. So sure. and Ryan, Ryan, does not give you a good enough layup. Go ahead. Introduce yourself. Tell the world who you are. Uh, thank you. Um, so my name is Brian Petroff. I am one of the 
co-founders of Big Gay Ice Cream, a New York-based ice cream company um, that started in 2009 as a seasonal truck, like a little summer project my friend Doug and I decided to do. Um, and then we moved into brick and mortar. Um, and so we've, we're in our 12th year now, which is pretty crazy. Our 13th um, uh, anniversary will be uh, next month in June. Amazing. So um, um, I'm an Aquarius and I used to work in HR Hence our connection with Sarah Gould. I worked with her at Warnico. I was there for about five years and um, HR was a, um, an accident <laughs> that happened. Us people, us too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I grew up, I'm in central Florida right now. Um, I'm not wearing glasses to be cool. I'm just avoiding the sun in my eyes. And, um, and uh, so I grew up here. I went to college in Chicago uh, for fine arts, moved to New York and started temping. And, uh, you know, I got a, a long-term gig. I, I, they asked me if I wanted a long-term gig. I said, how long is that? They said, oh, two weeks. And I said, sure. I mean, that's two weeks of pay. And, and, and at least with that agency, you could essentially work full-time temping and still get benefits and um, like healthcare and stuff like that. And that two-week temp job turned into a nine-year job. So, um, and then, uh, so yeah, so I did uh, 15 years of HR and then uh, somehow Big Gay Ice Cream happened. <laughs> and that's what I've been doing ever since. Oh my gosh. So, two week, so meanwhile, meanwhile, I, I, I serviced Warnico at that time and Choice has done a lot of good things by a lot of people. Um, but we were not able to do the insurance piece until, you know, the later dates. So I give you credit where credit's due for being able to take advantage of that, because as a freelancer, that is a very big challenge for many people in pre pre pandemic, pre all the all the crazy things that have happened in the last 10 years in, in, in work. Um, and as I said to Brian before, Brian was in the food truck business and did the pivot before pivots and food trucks were even cool. Like, so that's how cool he was. Um, and I, I, I love, I love in general, like if, if you, if I were going to traditionally geek out on a story like Brian is just the simple fact that he was a kid in central Florida that went to art school in Chicago and then ended up in New York. Most of us on the East coast know that that story alone is a mm -hmm. like a, a very brave move. Um, my grandma, Jamie, my grandma and my uncle live not far from where Ian's family is. And it's not necessarily a spot that springboards people to fine art school in Chicago. As far as usually I, you I, say, that with love. I say that with love. <laughs> yeah. I bypassed Atlanta. I didn't want to go there. That's yeah, okay. I, and that's usually as far as it goes. You'd end up at the Phipps. Yeah. What was the what was the mall? Phipps. Phipps was the mall. I've been there. I used to work <laughs> there a long time ago. You know, a long, I, long time ago. I think whether on par purpose or by accident, being that you are HR trained, whether or not you wanted to be or you know or not, um, you said a couple of things already that we say all the time to people we speak to in our day jobs as you know a staffing agency, which is similar to obviously how you got your first temp gig. Is you said yes to a temp job, 
you didn't know how long it would be and it turned into your career for a while. Um, so that's kind of advice that we give all the time. And look at what you're, you know, you just shared that by accident in your intro. Um, so I think, you know, what I'd love to, to do first is, like you said, obviously being from Florida and going to school in, in the Midwest and, and then landing in New York, I'm going to guess that, you know, there wasn't, there was a part of this maybe that was a dream job of yours one day, but I'd love to hear from you if you can remember far back, um, not to date us all, um, but what your earliest memory was of what you wanted to be when you grew up, because I'm guessing you wanted to go to art school for a reason. Um, so I'd love to hear kind of those early memories of the first thing you, you remember wanting to be. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I've, I've always been interested in art growing up. Um, I started collecting comic books when I was like nine years old, eight or nine years old. And um, there was uh, a couple of artists in particular who were kind of breaking the norm as to what you consider comic book art. This was like early 80s. And I was just enraptured by them because they were actually doing um, like mixed media work or, or um, just very different than the typical pen and ink and halftone printing and, and stuff like that. Um, so you got that going on. And then um, I just be became um, addicted to going to the library and checking out history of art books. And, um, you know, this is back when <laughs> everybody looked at books and encyclopedias and stuff like that. And, and I would check out these books that were like this thick and just walk around everywhere with them in my backpack and um, just flip through the pages and look at um, artists and, and, and read about them. So, you know, I was nine, 10 years old and reading about Raphael and Salvador Dali, you know, or whoever um, was in the book that I had at the time. Um, so, you know, I, I started drawing myself, um, um, I was also obsessed with rides and roller coasters living so close to Disney. And, uh, so I would draw my own rides and, and, and roller coasters and my own comic book characters and stuff like that. Ultimately, I, I ended up wanting to be an architect, mm -hmm. um, because, um, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it, 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 it's, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't for me though. <laughs> um, after that, I realized that my lot of science, or, more so than most people think. Yeah. I, I, I jokingly say I wanted to be an architect until I took physics. And then I realized and you're like, <laughs> learning I'm about stress yeah. and strain and yeah, all that sort of stuff. Was it, it's like, like I just wanted to make cool looking coaster. buildings. You're like, I can draw the roller coaster. I just don't understand why it, the speed is what it is and how you're supposed to do that. <laughs> that's, that's the engineer's job, not the architect's mm -hmm. job. Um, so, and I realized, you know, the art that I was kind of enjoying most was um, pretty impressionistic and, uh, sketchy and uh, not sketchy as in like weird sketchy, but very sketchy. <laughs> and um, I didn't want to have to draw straight lines all the time and, uh, you know, use a ruler and a protractor and, and stuff like that. So um, I got into art, uh, a number of art schools and um, 
chose the one that was the best combination of location and financial aid, and that was Chicago. And um, I love Chicago. I still love it. It's it's one of my favorite cities. Love it. Um, at the at the time, I was a little naive and like, oh, I need to get out of. I need to be in New York. I need to be in New York, you know, the big city and stuff like that. Uh, so I moved there right after graduation. And uh, but I mean, I definitely moved back to Chicago. Um, it's just the food there is amazing. Architecture is amazing. You know, riding your bike along the lake. It's really People great. are so nice there too. We love Chicago. Chicago. I went to school. I remember. So, I remember so. the first time I went to Chicago. Um, one of my roommates from college was from Chicago, but all of us were East Coasters, so she would always visit us. And then one day, she finally got us to go out there. I think it was Fourth of July, and uh, we went out and like we went out on a boat and like people packed me lunch and offered me a drink and they're all pretty and like kind. And I was like, wait, you're so pretty and kind. And you're offering me lunch. <laughs> like a true New Yorker. I'm like, you want me to eat with you? And then I'm like, and it was gorgeous out. And I was like, is this Miami? I'm so confused. Like, I, like my, 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 my pre, my pre thought of what Chicago was, was so not correct. Yeah, um, and I, I have since been to, I think it's the only, I think it's the only city other than New York I've been to the most. Mm-hmm. I've been to Chicago. I've been to Chicago probably 10 times because I have such good friends that live there. Um, and it's a great spot. So what a special spot to have gone to college. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. So, I love that. So did you work in art at all through college and internships and such before you ended up moving to New York and starting that temp job? Uh, no, the closest I would say I worked in art was um, in high school. I, I, I had a job at a printing company in town, um, printing um, like uh, posters, flyers. Um, was that your first everything. job? Was that your like first real job? Technically, it was my second job. My first job was at Wendy's. I love and, it. Uh, and uh, I only did it because uh, the year prior, I had hosted a German exchange student and we became really good friends. And I wanted to go visit him uh, in Germany um, once he flew back. So I, I worked over a year to save up money to then uh, go see him. You know, you know, Brian, I sometimes I am known to draw from original experiences and marry them to grown up experiences to like connect the dots. That's something that we do on the podcast. And I'm just going to go that you probably really liked fribbles. <laughs> I did love a frib. That's a, by the way, fribbles. I mean, who doesn't like a fribble? Fribbles um, and Oh, I'm sorry. Frosty. A, a frosty. Excuse me. Oh my God. I made such a funny joke that bombed. I meant a frosty. <laughs> um, so Everybody should love a proxy. Everyone loves. So everyone, just everybody in the friendlies Northeast, just rewind, subtract, and know that I I meant proxy. To be fair, I worked at friendlies. That was my first real job doing fribbles. So like, I get where she got confused. Fribbles, frosties, whatever. It was an F. It's your, it's ice cream. Also, now they make vanilla frosties, which is what my one we like what we call the weird son, because like who doesn't like a chocolate frosty? Like why one son only likes the vanilla frosty, which my husband and my older son are like, what? But it is really good, the vanilla frosty, but there's nothing like yeah. the original. 
Nothing like the original. In fact, in Cocoa Beach, where we shared with you, our grandma and our uncle lived, we went multiple times a year. Wendy's was on the corner right in front of where my grandma lived. And we used to, um, we have a family joke that as when I was pretty much my first real job was when my dad would give me money to walk over to Wendy's by myself and get lunch for everybody at the pool and bring it back. I was definitely not old enough to do that, by the way. And I was, there's just, there's so many things about it that just speak to the eighties. Like here's money. Here's an eight-year-old go walk to Wendy's (laughs) sentences. All right. Go walk to Wendy's and pick up food for lunch so that we can eat it at the pool. (laughs) you're not eating that at the pool i was able to keep the change so i guess that was my first real job um okay so we are the same there our first real job was wendy's um and then you worked at in a printing press or printing place doing posters and such that's so interesting okay so you worked in art a little now did you intern at all through college in art or not really um i did um work study on on campus Mm -hmm. um so I, I did um, like office assistant work. I was in uh, two different offices, the student affairs office. So that encompassed um, the dean of students, international students, uh, job placement, um, guidance counseling. So there's uh, your, by the way, there's a little bit of your HR. There are yeah, people. yeah. Like and a tribute, other, go ahead. And then the other was in the liberal arts uh, office, faculty office. So um, I would work with all the faculty and putting together their uh, curriculum packets. And the fun thing about that is, as my boss there, uh, Shauna, she oversaw the logistics of of the liberal arts. And that was art history and liberal arts Mm -hmm. was, um, you know, she let me really have fun with what I did. And um it was the first time I had to use a computer for work because um, uh, this is when the first uh, Macs were just coming out in the mm. early 90s. And uh, I used to do all of these collage um, images that became the covers for all the all the uh, curriculum that everybody got in, those, in the various classes. So if, say, the, yeah, it could have been a fill uh, uh philosophy class or um, uh, a writing course or whatever it may be, you know, I would gear what I did through uh, for that. So I would find images on the computer um, and print them out and then cut them up into collages. It's really funny because I jokingly say that um, it's not really a joke. It's actually kind of true that I spent four years in art school and I spent, you know, all this money just to basically doodle and make magazine collages (laughs) by the the way i one of my strong suits i don't talk about this at all ever you're the first time i've had 50 something people on a podcast i've never mentioned out loud that one of my one of my literally one of the best things i know how to do is collage like with something i was exceptional at it was your book editor-in-chief I collage all of those things. And so when I pull out the senior book, my senior year book, I look at all my collages, how perfect it was. When I was in college, I would decorate everybody's um, walls with like the pictures all put together. So I completely hear you. And I'm sure they were so awesome. And what I think is so great about your story, even up until this moment, is you are a perfect example. If I were to package you up, a perfect example of how 
the Jamie's favorite saying of 2020 and 2021 is if you can't find the dream job, you need to find the dream within the job. And what you're describing is here's this young kid that is interested in art in central Florida and finds himself drawing and comic booking and just playing into an interest, right? Meanwhile, little do you know, Ming and Christian and the studio that they're in, that if we were all together, you'd be flipping out about all the comic stuff that they have there. Um, Ming's, Ming's a celebrity in the comic world. That's for another day we can talk about. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll send you an email after, after, after class. Um, so, you know, and then you, you managed to create a pipeline for your joys in a job that was completely unexpected. And yet you always drew upon the things that made you tick and use them in your day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, even after you started working in, in more traditional scopes, which by the way, is historically, you were very early on that. You were honoring your own authentic self in a time that honestly, that wasn't that normal. It wasn't that normal yeah. to be like, by the way, I could collage the cover of these things for your, you know, you use when we were when we on our first jobs, you did what you were told. That's mm. that's the way it was. So, yeah. I, I find myself if I had, you know, it's just thinking as you were talking, like, how would I describe myself even back then? I'm kind of a procrastinating perfectionist. I, everything I do has to be perfect, but I get bored really easily and it takes a lot to kind of excite me to get into something. So my mind will start to wander and go off into different things if, if the project itself doesn't really draw me in. Um, but I do like doing project-based things. And I think that's why I stuck with this temp job that I got, which was in the incentives department of HR. Mm. And we were responsible for uh, sales contests and uh, various, obviously, incentive and sales bonus programs, but also sales meetings. So um, at the time, it was the, the it, there was a, a annual meeting called President's Club, where like the top performing uh, store district managers, we got to, they got to go on this trip. And um, so the first day I showed up for the job, um, the person sat me, he picked me up at, at the, the lobby and he brought me back to where I would be sitting. And he looks at me and he says, I haven't told anybody this, but I'm putting in my two week notice today. And I'm, I was just like, okay, I don't even know your name. So why should I care? <laughs> but, but when I realized he was leaving and then leaving this um, president's club meeting uh, left for planning, I was just like, oh my God, I get to be an event planner. And I planned um, a meeting in, in Key Largo for 300 people. And um, it was just a blast. I got to fly down there and I was at a resort for like two weeks watching dolphins swim around and getting paid by the hour <laughs> as a youngster, just out of college. I was like, one, I can't believe you're letting me or this, this type of person, a, you know, a temp who's barely been with the company plan something of this scale. Um, and two, I'm glad you're doing it because I'll prove to you how good I am at it. But uh, if it had been something else, I don't know if I would have 
stuck around after those two weeks. That's for sure. But that, you um, know, I think that's, that speaks volumes to the types of people you had around you, the people who took chances on you, because we do talk about this a lot, you know, in career paths and journeys and stories, a lot is a, a little bit is a lot is luck, right? You got lucky. Yeah. You got somebody that took a chance on you. You got, you were in the right place at the right time. Um, but Marissa is very much talking, you know, we talk often, it's not just luck. It's, it's the universe and where you're meant to be is where you're meant to be. And if that was meant to be your long-term goal slash solution slash job, that's what happened to you. Right. So here you are, you now tripped into something that you stayed at for nine years and then stayed within the industry of HR, which for those that don't know, because often people ask me even better senior level of people, if they don't have HR at their companies, they don't understand. I always say we're recruiters, right? But I started in HR. Recruiting gets you in the door and HR helps you stay. Okay. So HR, the people that is the umbrella organization with recruitment, with incentives, with benefits, with, you know, payroll, that is all the stuff that makes the day-to-day of a, of a company really happen and make the employees want to be there. Yeah. Um, your customers are the employees. of your Correct. Company. So you got this experience of customer service. Uh, and all of these experiences of customer service. So before we wrap into the Facebook feed, because we like to get to that aha moment for our Facebook audience. And then if they want to hear the rest of this conversation, they have to go to the podcasts. Um, But tell us your aha moment, right? You spent many years in HR. Then we talked about how that's how you met Sarah, our client and friend. Um, And, you know, you spent many years in HR and, you know, internal kind of company relations, so how did, what happened? Tell us a bit about your aha moment as to how you got to where you are now. Okay. So, well, I, I mean, definitely if there's an aha moment in my life, it would be the decision to make ice cream my full-time thing. And so the way in which um, my friend Doug and I started the truck was really happenstance. Um I obviously um, was 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 doing my full time gig. It was you know very corporate. Um, Doug's background is in classical music, so he performs in orchestras. He was also getting his PhD at the time, actually, well, a DMA, doctorate in musical arts. Um, and um, a friend of his that he knew from Juilliard had started driving an ice cream truck in the summers. Don't know why exactly, but, you know, she was kind of hustler. She did all of these different things to make money. She didn't stick to kind of one job. So she would work the ice cream truck. Um, there were some summers she would fly to Seoul and work and strip <laughs> and dance and save money that way. This, and sounds, like a, um, this sounds like a movie musical. I like it. Totally, I'm, totally. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the soundtrack. <laughs> she's crazy uh, and then the New York Times got wind of her and, and did an article about her she's performed I think on like Jay-Z albums and stuff like that so a, a very crazy life and um, and then Doug was looking for um, summer work uh, when the, the orchestras are down and school's not in session and um, and she said well hey I would you want to do what I do? You know, I'm driving an ice cream truck this summer. And he, he likes the idea of it being a 
quintessentially New York job, like getting behind a Mr. Softy truck and, and being on the streets and just the craziness of the, the variety of people that you would meet and everything like that. Um, he asked me what I thought about it. Um, we were, we were partners at the time. We're, we're friends now, but, um, and I said, sure. It sounds like fun, but if you're going to do it, this is where my, uh, perfectionist takes over. I was just like, if you're going to do it. We have to do it right. You know, don't just be yet another Mr. Softy truck. Yeah. And my feeling was, um, you know, we both traveled a lot. We both love to eat, uh, go out to restaurants. We were kind of aware of trends and cuisine because of it. And we were like, why don't we take the stuff we love, the, the international flavors that we like all the time and put them on a truck? Because there isn't any other ice cream truck that I could think of that has things like curried coconut and um, you know, ginger and cardamom and, and olive oil and all of these different things. So he loved the idea and um, he posted on Facebook that he was going to do this, um, his personal account. And he made an offhanded comment um, that, uh, hey, guys, I'm going to be driving the big gate ice cream truck this summer. Um, I'm going to be posting about the adventures of it. It's sure to be crazy. Um, that was it. And so when it came to a name, it was everybody was like, well, you already have the name, but you know, big gay ice cream. And they're like, Oh yeah. So that stuck. And okay, so I love uh, that. it's just like, just, he just like put that out there like for fun. And then it became the name. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in you in the idea that this is, this whole thing was kind of a, a universe picked us moment. And, um, it was, uh, a perfect uh, time of the beginning of Twitter, um, the beginning of food truck, the modern food truck movement, not uh, they, obviously they've been around forever, but, um, and the convergence of the two, you know, where people would uh, tweet their location and their menu. And, and that really caught on and cities like in Portland and New York started to, to build it all. Um, and and just the fact that it was fun and also successful, which are two things that rarely happen at the same time. Um, I, I would guess I would say that was the aha moment that it was it was OK to have fun at work and be silly and do whatever you want and get paid for it. Um, and wear shorts and not have to answer to anybody, <laughs> you know, all the things that, uh, being an office entails. And so, um, that I think it was getting out there and just seeing the responses from people, um, was so much fun. We, we rented our truck. We never actually owned an ice cream truck. So we would check it out from a depot every day. We would slap our logo on it. We would bring all of our, um, our ingredients and supplies and everything and uh and then set up the depot itself had a spot that uh, at union square so we parked there every day that kind of became our spot and it was great because we didn't move so everybody knew where we were um we didn't really have to tweet that much about it but just sitting in the truck and watching people walk by and they would look at the the truck and the logo and 
they couldn't help but not smile. Like you would watch everybody go, you know, how funny is that? They'd mouth the words. <laughs> and, and, and even if they didn't get anything, they would take a picture of it and then they would post it online. So, you know, social media marketing, uh, you know, was invented and um, our customer base became our market extended marketing department, really. And um, that was kind of the aha moment. Um, it took until we signed our lease for our first brick and mortar shop a couple summers later that we dived, you know, headfirst into the whole thing. You know, he, he pulled out of his doctorate program and then and I left Mornico. Um, but for the first couple of years of the truck, when it was just a summer thing, I was still at Mornico. So uh, Doug would get up at the crack of dawn. He'd go out to the depot and prep and everything and get the truck out to Union Square, start serving around one o'clock in the afternoon. I get out, you know, six, I'd go down to Union Square, give him a dinner break and work the truck for a while. Then we'd um, drive back to the depot. It was in the Bronx, clean the truck, you know, get home midnight, 1 a.m., go to bed, do it all over again. So um, dreaming big does not always look or feel (laughs) the way it seems on social media. No, no. Social media has a, is, is, has a great way of curating lives. (laughs) It has uh, a a great way of showcasing a highlight moment and closeting mm -hmm. the, you're not taking a picture of yourself in the Bronx at 1am cleaning the truck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's the glam glam shot. Well, I think, um, you know, that's a, that's a good spot for us to wrap for our Facebook audience, Christian, but, um, what an interesting journey thus far. And I can't wait to hear more about how that brought you joy and how you then started to bring joy to others, even if it was just in the name, the logo, the location. And then of course, with your menu and all of the amazing, incredible flavors and things that you start to do with the brand. I mean, I am a huge foodie nerd, like geek. And I followed you from the beginning because my husband and I were obsessed with food trucks and the whole concept of that from the very beginning. I like joined Twitter for that reason because I had yep. to like find my favorite trucks. Um, so thank you for sharing that for our Facebook audience. And then if you want to hear the rest of this amazing conversation, you'll have to check us out on where podcasts are found. So see you there. Jamie, you know how much I love to give somebody a gift that I'm passionate about, right? I just, oh my gosh, of course. I find something, we're tagging, we're sharing, we're, we're DMing each other. We have the megaphone. Time. We have the megaphones. Yes. The minute I love something, it's like, I want to give it to every single person I love because that's the way you and I work. That's the way I felt when I was gifted a Taja candle with a customized little saying that meant something specifically for me. And it smelled good and it lasts forever. And it's just gorgeous. For the dream catchers, everything for us, both Marissa, myself and Jamie is about leading with light. So it makes perfect sense that our favorite gift to give is just that, a a beautiful gift of light from our friends Annabelle and Taja Collection in Miami. It's female founded. They're handmade in Miami in small batches. Everything on the candle is fully customizable. So you can customize the front, the lid, the underneath of the lid, the scent, and then the actual candles are reusable as vases. And I also find when you don't know what to get somebody, a candle is just always the best gift. 
And for me, the littlest things make me super, super happy. And if it's a gorgeous candle, I feel like I'm spoiled. I totally agree with you. And they're 100% soy wax and free of all junk. So you're not like inhaling grossness when you're burning them in your home. If you want to try Taja Collection for yourself, check them out. www.tajacollection.com. That's T-A-J-A. Use code DREAMCATCHERS10 for 10% off. Um, Okay, so Brian, I'm like totally geeking out, just so you know. I want to say this, you know, at that time, so that was 2009, you said? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that was when I moved to Hoboken and the truck festivals were like such a big deal. Yeah. So I moved to Hoboken in 2008 and I was still commuting into the city though. And um, we we were in this like weird denial phase. Marissa lived in it a little longer than me that we lived in Hoboken, but we were New Yorkers. So we would stay after work a lot to do like social stuff and then go to Hoboken like late and just like sleep there. It was just like like our hotel room. And then eventually we became obsessed with the community there for that, for that first year or two, we were doing that where we were just hanging in New York as late as possible and just going back to, you know, Hoboken to sleep. And that was like the height of like, we got married in 09. So it was like the height of all of those original years of, of my relationship with my husband. And we visited the truck many times and actually went to, um, because that was kind of our area. We lived, I lived in, on 23rd and Park for many years. We'd walk down to Union Square. So when I would like, well, I miss the city, we would always walk in that area. So that was kind of why we always discovered you guys. And again, like I said, Twitter, like you were saying, I love this point about social media, right? Merce and I talk about this all the time, even for our own brand and how your followers probably became, well, your followers, like your customer became your follower who became your extended marketing team. Because yeah. that was like the beginning of that huge boom of things being, you know, trending and followed. Um, and, so and, how small, that- and small joy, small joy FOMO, small joy FOMO, right? So it's like yeah. if Jamie had the ice cream, I wanted to have the ice cream. Yeah. Like it was a very interesting time. I'd also have to say playing into like 2009. So Jamie just described when she moved to Hoboken, she was in her newlywed stage and I moved to Hoboken kicking and screaming with legit a screaming in newborn. I lived in a one bedroom on the Upper East Side, which I still don't talk about. In fact, I lived on the Upper East Side because I was a downtown person. And I actually can talk about living in Hoboken more than I can talk about living on the Upper East Side. However, Sarah Gould bought my apartment. So I am I am where I am today because she still lives where I was living at that time, which is hilarious. Um, but I I moved to Hoboken with a screaming child. And mm-hmm. when I was in the city, I felt much more connected to Marissa, like who I had always been. And I think it was the beginning. It was also a terrible economy that year. Terrible. And everything about it was ironic talking about how where we're on now with the city. But the city in my years of living in Manhattan, I saw 2001 and 2002 with my own eyes. And then I saw 2008 and 2009 with my own eyes. And I remember thinking, you know, we went from these big, lavish nightclub, excessive ridiculousness, like meatpacking, like over the top things to where's the ice cream truck? I'll meet you there after I spend $20 on my fitness or $28 on my fitness. And then I'm going to get an ice cream cone in Union Square. Mm-hmm. That was literally what social, social, your, your connection with friends are going out 
became less about a big sit down New York City dinner and more about a workout and a dessert truck or meeting somewhere cool and picking up food from all different places. It became it really became like a a pastime, so to speak. Yeah, we we had so many people come in their gym clothes after working out. It was crazy. That was what they would eat. They're like. Um, this this Sunday is my dinner, and right. um, yeah, they, I work, they out, work to out and then go have dessert. Yeah. Totally. Oh my they god! Go straight and, um, from Soul Cycle to the food trucks, yeah. literally. <laughs> right, and that and was, was all. Then it was it was the it changed everything. Between it, it really all changed everything. I don't know if it was the economy that changed it, or just the conceptual like making food easy. I mean, granted, it wasn't easy for you but it made it easy for everyone else. And then you'd wait in the line and it was cool to post about, you know, it was. Uh... Well, I think for us, it was, we, we were very conscious of pricing and, um, and I'll also say this, we, we were doing it. We didn't do it to make money. And we, we had our other lives and our, and our jobs and this was meant to be a fun thing for us to do. And if it made money, that you know, that was gravy. It was more of an experience, really, a crazy experience that we would you know, tell our grandkids about kind of thing. Um, and I think we were very fortunate in that. You know, if, if, we, if it was our livelihood if, and we knew that going into it, I don't know if we would have made the same decisions, like calling it Big Gay Ice Cream or um yeah whatever it may be and um but because we didn't have to worry about that so much um we could be we could be weird we could be fun if you got our sense of humor you really enjoyed the experience and coming to us you know if if you got it you got it and it was also um, right that's i would say that too it was a time where you could eat the gay ice cream on the truck do you think you could do that today i remember i remember so clearly even like the names were really tongue in cheek and, and edgy. And, you know, I remember Dave. So my husband's Cuban. So he's a huge like Dolce de Leche fan. So we came to get the salty pimp, which is what Brian, I think would probably agree is their probably most well-known flavor yeah. at that time. Um, Marissa, for, for you, for your, for your knowledge, it is like vanilla with Dolce de Leche and like salted caramel dipped in chocolate, like the whole thing, hard chocolate on the outside. Like just um, bananas, good. Like bananas, definitely went in my gym clothes too. By the way, <laughs> although that year was the year I was working out twice a day because I was getting married, so I was like, "Oh, I'll just eat like." <laughs> um, it was. No. It's a, it was also good for uh, breakups too. By the way, I have plenty of like breakup ice cream, confidence ice cream is what we called it. Um, <laughs> we had a woman come to us once when we were in the East Village, and it was at night, and she came and she was carrying. Uh, she was in office clothes but she was carrying a couple bags and she ordered something from us and then she started changing right in front of us out of her her you know double twill suit and um she was just putting on sexy clothes and we're like okay like what's happening can can we ask what's going on she's like yeah um after this i'm going around the corner to where my boyfriend's a bartender and i'm breaking up with him these are his stuff for my apartment that i'm just gonna throw at him and, and she's like i need some confidence ice cream to get me through doing this you know <laughs> like, okay, you go it's such a you 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 lived you have lived an excessively long new york moment 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, <laughs> the, what you're describing right now is the New York that I crave and miss. So mm-hmm. it's funny. And, 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 and I think this is where we get into where we start to unpack that word joy, that magic word for this conversation. But I am a quintessential extroverted introvert. I love the city. I love the energy of the city. I love the noise of the city. I love the fact that I am myself surrounded by tons of other people that are themselves. I socially could get lost walking and talking at your truck and joking about that woman and seeing her storyline and could skip dinner with friends 20 times over just so that I could be in the moment having the one dimensional conversation and watching that woman go dump somebody like, and those are, that's the part of New York that, that, that right now is suffering. But I hear, I just, 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 I think in the last two days and the sunshine helps and I know you're not there right now and I'm not there right now. Jamie's not there right now, but I could just picture everyone taking their masks off and, doing their thing and feeling like a little bit like they can put their toes in the water and bringing what we know is what made your truck and then your business successful is that, that New York vibe, right? Yeah. Um, And I mean, it really trickled into every aspect of it. And even though, you know, after the first summer, our lines became ridiculously long um, that didn't deter people um, we saw a lot of strangers just start friendly chats with each other in line. Oh, have you been here before? No, I haven't. Oh, you should try this. Or, you know, everybody seemed fine with it. It was an experience from start to finish. It, it, the experience didn't start when you got your ice cream. The experience, experience started when you got in line. And, um, and so, um, and, and I think I'm the same way when, I would describe myself that same way too, because I love New York. I love its vibrancy and its craziness and the fact that you can get anything at any time, anywhere. Um, But also I lived there for 20 years. I could, and I never knew a single neighbor's name (laughs) and and I didn't want to know anybody's. You don't need to know. You don't need, (laughs) you don't need extra. You don't need extra. You could just, you could just get the toppings. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I, didn't know, I just want the toppings. I don't need all the stuff. I just want to say, hi, how are you? And, you know, move on. Yeah. So we used to joke because a lot of people used to ask us if we were, if we were um, well, we either get, are you sisters or are you twins? It's like, there's no in between. But the people that did think we were twins, Marissa had a dog, has a dog, and I never did. And so she was like friendly with like the dog parents. And I would like blatantly ignore those people because I don't know them. And I was like, we would joke that I was like the bitchier sister. I always had like the headphones in. And I was like, for somebody that is so extroverted, I don't do the one dimensional. I would rather go to the 10 person dinner. That's just how we're opposite. So Marissa once, I'll never forget this. Marissa goes, one day she was like serious because we lived in the city in the same place. Then we lived in Hoboken, the same place. Now we live in the same town. She's like, you need to be nicer to people because they think you're me. And I'm like, okay, that's why I should be nicer to people. It's like ruining, like, I don't care if you're nice, but if you're going to look like me, you better, be I got rep to pretend. Because they think like, I'm the me. nicest, I'm the nicest one dimensional person you ever pass by. I don't need to tell you a thing. But yeah. by the way, I'm going to say good morning to you. But we do um, have that in common. I don't need to talk to my neighbors either. But like, I'm more likely to to then become to look the down than yeah. your group, yeah. group dinner with them. Anywho, um, so so, so 
Go ahead. Tell for, us about us. tell us about current. Tell us about joy and now. Okay, I cannot imagine. I can't imagine how many broken how many brick and mortars were you are you up were you up to pre uh, pre COVID. Uh, we had. We had five brick and mortars and one uh, kiosk location inside uh, Madison Square Garden. Okay, so and I cannot. Now, I can't. Go ahead. I was gonna say we've we've had to close two of those uh, permanently. So now we're uh, we're down to three brick and mortar locations, and I think Madison Square Garden itself is supposed to reopen in September, mm-hmm. uh, and, and hopefully, you know, that kiosk will be up and running again when that happens. Wonderful. So, so I think the word joy could be talked about a couple different ways here. And I want to talk about it one way. When, when the fun, when you left Warnico and you decided to chase the pivot and the fun full time, how, how did joy change for you then? Like how, how did the moment, you know, handing out the ice cream to the customers or being part of the social media, you know, new wave or, when what what did what did it look like when things started to get more serious? Yeah, like so. You? You, two years in, you quit your j- real job. You started this full time, yeah. and then obviously you started to. I'm sure from an HR hiring, start to like, hire people, grow. How were you able to keep in the joy that way? And also, you know, what was your involvement then moving forward after that? Um. Well, I would say, you know, at the time there everything was new. Every experience was a new experience. We didn't come from culinary backgrounds. Um, so in a way, we didn't know what we were getting into. <laughs> and we didn't know how hard it would be. Who was making the ice cream? I forgot to ask that. Who what? Did you make the ice cream flavors yourself? Uh, um, when we started, we were using a, a commercial mix that we found that we liked. Um, but what we did is... Um, you know, on the truck, the focus was what you can put on top of the ice cream. Okay. And the machine, there was only one machine, and you could only run two flavors. So it was vanilla and chocolate. And so everything we built was wrapped around that. And um, there were some trucks that were just so run down that, you know, you couldn't run both sides of the machine and the air conditioning. Because, uh, so you had to make a sacrifice did you want to lose chocolate or AC? (laughs) And and so a lot of times chocolate lost out. And um, and so that's why if you look back at everything, um, and plus Doug and I aren't the biggest chocolate fans, particularly chocolate ice cream. So a lot of what we did was wrapped around vanilla. And for us, vanilla is amazing. It's great. It's, it's, perfect um it's a great blank slate you know you you can turn it into so much just even at home you open up your pantry you know put a few things on it and you've got a completely new flavor chocolate is the same way uh but we you know most of what we did was vanilla based so once we opened our shops um that's when we moved from uh over-the-counter stuff. This is this is how little we, we knew about the business. You know, when we started, we were just buying everything retail. Like, we would go to 
we've been to Fairway in Harlem and buy <laughs> a flat of Dulce de Leche bottles. <laughs> you know, I think they gave us like 10% off, 15% off max. You know, oh we God. were not paying wholesale at all. Um, and, um, you know, or we would go to Calustian's um, in uh, Murray Hill and, um, and uh, get all the international stuff there. But um, so we really didn't know. And I think that naivete really helped us because, um, you, you know, these hurdles would come up like you want how much money for the electricity or, you know, whatever it may be, or it's going to take how long to get the business license. So you kind of rolled with those punches, really. And um, you didn't know any better. You're like, OK, we, like that yeah, yeah. Long. yeah, totally. So, so when we opened our, our, um, our, our first shop, um, actually, um, after that, and when we, when we were starting to open our second shop or when we opened our second shop, we partnered up with, um, a third person, um, who focuses on the operations and the, and the financial side of the business. And he put us in touch with, uh, an ice cream guru kind of guy and, through him and he he had a connection to ronnie brook uh the dairy up in uh up north of the city and that's a good vanilla through that, yeah through them we developed our own ice cream base mm -hmm. and um not their own stuff but our own proprietary uh, recipe and um and so everything started to become homemade at that point we realized like each year we want to be better at what we were before. So at first it was moving from retail to business savvy wholesale and decisions and stuff like that. Then it moved into our own recipes. So instead of uh, pre-made dulce de leche, we were making it ourselves. Um, and then it moved into the actual ice cream itself. And, um, you know, the, we were very fortunate that we could quickly change all of that and, and pivot to, to being truly um, an ice cream shop when, when the brick and mortars opened. And um, uh, because, you know, we, we didn't know where to turn and, and, and who to go for, for what and stuff like that. Um, I think we, it would, in terms of, you know, where joy is, is found, it's, it's, um, it's just the faces of everybody really. And, you know, when you're on the truck, you're about two to three feet higher than everybody else. And it, you really look at the street life as if it's on a stage. <laughs> it's, this is a, a New York becomes a play that's being acted out in front of you in all of its craziness and, and bizarreness. And yeah, one day, Chuck Schumer is coming up to the truck for ice cream. The next day, it's a woman in a full burka and her four little boys. Mm. And, and you're like, here's a conservative Islamic woman buying ice cream from Big Gay Ice Cream. And she doesn't <laughs> care, you know, because yeah. it's New York. And, and, you know, it made us assume the best in people instead of assuming the worst in people. And, um, and that, that was really important because you, you got so much positive reinforcement with what you were doing. Um, 
and and you could just see it on people's faces. You know, ice cream is it's it's comfort food. It's probably the best comfort food out there. Uh, actually, I describe ice cream as as this. Aside from drugs and alcohol, it's the only thing you take that actually alters your mood. Hmm. Um, you know, when when you're sad, it picks you up. When you're when you're happy, it excites you more. You know, you you get it oh. when you're when you've been dumped. You get it when you get an A on your report card. You get it when your wisdom teeth are pulled out. You know, all of these moments that are uh, memorable in your life. Yeah. Uh, if you're lucky, ice cream is associated with those moments. And, um, and that's what we were trying to do. We, we remember Doug and I remembered what it was like to, you know, find joy in, in ice cream growing up. And that was what we wanted people to have with us. Uh, you know, at the time ice cream was getting very precious you know, it was all about sources and artisanalness, and <laughs> you know, it, it it just felt beige. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, ice cream was becoming the banana republic of food, <laughs> and um, so we were like, ice cream is fun. It's weird. It's goofy. You know, it's it's colorful. It's childlike, not childish, um, and so we wanted to recapture those moments. And, um, you know, I, I think we're very fortunate that, you know, joy in whatever way you want to look at it was kind of, it, it wasn't written in our business statement, but it was just saturated with it through and through. Yeah. It's just like the fundamentals of ice cream. You're so right. I mean, so, so many of those moments you're describing, you know, we, Marissa and I both hers are a little older. have, you know, four young children between us. And you're so right. I mean, ice cream, whether we think of it from a business standpoint or not, is so much a part of their lives. And and it's a reward. It's to make them feel better. It's, um, you know, where you go when, you, when you're sick, um, what you want when you're feeling grumpy. I mean, all the things. And, yeah. what a cool- and it really, and it is, a, it's an equal opportunity unifier. Right. So no matter, you know, right now, no matter how angry you are, no matter how grumpy you are, no matter what side you're on, no matter where you stand, no matter like you're uh, eight years old or you're 80 years old, ice cream is an equalizer. You know, I mean, my husband is literally the straightest arrow in the world. He is completely (laughs) OCD about his workouts, his his work regimens, his this, his that. Everything about him is a straight line. You put a container of ice cream, he's an eight-year-old kid and eats the whole container. And by yeah, the way, yeah. he has a hard time sharing with his own children. We'll say exactly. out loud, I only will share this because I love you and you're my child. Other than that, <laughs> so, you know, I, I really think about that. I think about, um, I was thinking about this this morning. I, I think my grandmother, um, she was like a banana split person. And mm-hmm. also, you know, oh, I just got emotional. Whoops. I don't know where that came from. Um, <laughs> there it is. Um, but I, I'm a coffee ice cream person. Like that's my thing. Um, and I will, I will have coffee ice cream and sprinkles, you know, granted 
I've been watching my weight now for 45, 44 years, not rounding up almost 44. Um, so, you know, ice cream is not something that I do that often also ice cream and I are not as friendly as we were. We have, we have some trouble. We have some trouble <laughs> together. We, we taste great on the it's, way in, but we have some happen. trouble after, afterwards. Um, yeah. So when I am, when I am making my choice, it's something I've thought about and I'm looking mm. forward to the dive down. Like I'm all the way in. Although now I just yeah. take a lactate and it works. Yeah. Um, it's it's so, also one of those things that e- even mediocre ice cream is good ice cream. You know, it's, it's true. Uh, and so um, for me growing up, it was hot fudge sundaes. I just really yeah. love hot fudge sundaes uh, with peanuts and a cherry uh, or, or Frosties. And you know, we were big in Frosties. There was a, a place here in my hometown called Tasty Freeze. And that, then I realized it's kind of a chain name or yeah. a name that uh, is kind of everywhere. And it was on the side of the road and there were picnic tables and, and my family would go there after dinner or something like that. And, and we just each order whatever we wanted and then we'd sit on the picnic tables and, and eat and watch the cars go by and yep. in our cutoff I'm, jeans and bare feet. <laughs> and I mean, you, uh, there's nothing, you can't associate anything. Even if you're sad, the association with ice cream is always going to be joy because yeah. as soon as you eat it, you feel happy. Mm. Yeah. It's so true. Okay. It's so true. I think that's a good segue into obviously joy is is such a powerful word here today in our conversation. But we are big believers, as you can probably imagine from talking to us now in things like the universe, like we were saying, but also in, you know, identifying our own strengths and superpowers, because so much of your career now you've realized, you know, whether or not this is what you set out to do was this, you know, you found the joy in this side hustle. You decided to take the leap to leave your full-time job to do it every day. Then you literally have now spent a dream amount of years providing that joy to others, whether or not this past year or any other years have been more challenging than others. But I'd love to hear from you. You know, I think I could probably come up with a couple. I'm sure Marissa agrees. What your, um, what you would consider your superpower career-wise. I mean, this is something that we challenge people to think about often when they're looking at their career or they're looking at their job choices like, who are you, right? So you obviously were a creative dude that came up with some of the branding and logos and thoughts and the way it was going to feel. Um, so you brought that to your day. But do you have, um, would you consider yourself to have a superpower that you bring to the business that maybe no one else could ever bring? And is it, you know, as simple as uh, your business or your zest for art or what do you think your superpower is? Um, well, with, uh, without sounding, you know, uh, like I'm tooting my own horn or something like that. Um, you know, I, I feel like I am kind of endlessly creative. If you, mm-hmm. if you ask me for one thing, one idea, I'm going to give you 15, um, and, <laughs> And a good 10 of them are, are good. <laughs> you know, uh, it's not like you get one great and, and a bunch of filler. Um, and, and I think, and, you know, for me, just trying to think of something, I, I don't stop with the first thing that I think of. You know, I just keep thinking and keep thinking and keep thinking to the point where actually 
you know, a lot of times Doug has to rein me in. Um, and, and I think that's good that we have that, that balance. Um, I also think I'm good at articulating visions and ideas for other people to run with. Yep. Um, I, I, Merce and I are like that. The people, particularly the creative side of, of our, of the jobs, you know, the, 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 the designers, um, you know, the person who designed our book, um, stuff like that, our photographers, you know, we push them uh, to be more creative. Um, and, and I think people enjoy that. They, you know, we've had a lot of people uh, be a little bit surprised about how f- far we'll go with something. Um, and when you look at it, it, you know, it may not feel like it was a big deal, but, you know, when people are so used to, you know, a, a, a very kind of rigid client base that all want to fit in the same lanes or, you know, gutters and, um, you know, the chance for them to be creative uh, is really exciting for people. So I think, you know, I, I think that's a huge part of, of it at least for me. Um, I, I like to think I'm, at the same time, I like to think I'm a good editor. I know what will work and what won't work very quickly. Um, and I can kind of streamline and focus people into uh, getting their view or, or their point across um, in a way that's also brand right for me, but also just in general, uh, stronger. Um, so, so I think I love, you know, I love, I love what you're saying because I think, um, you know, and, and you shared with us at the top that you're a perfectionist. And I think a lot of what you're saying is so applicable to that sentiment. My, I'm very much like that as well. And, you know, your, your, your ability to be endlessly create creative is like in a weird way connected in my opinion to, um, to you being a perfectionist, right. You can just yeah. continuously come up with ideas to make it that much better and to create and to improve, but also stay within those lanes where you're like, that's not going to work, but then also know the ones that are going to work. What were you I mean, say? I'm just looking at like I, every once in a while, I've like, since we've like been reconnected, I'll like look at your Instagram feed and, and you can't help but smile. Mm. Right. But, but it's not, not perfect. So I understand I'm hearing you. And I actually do think that that is a superpower. I think, you know, being endlessly creative is, is not, I mean, you're not, when we ask somebody their superpower, we're asking you to do your own work. It's actually a request. So, you know, I, you, you make something rainbow and colorful and bright and fun and you take ordinary, make it extraordinary and do it in a way that conveys a lot of passion. But you do it in a way that also feels like, it's thought out, you know, like, I mean, you can funny, funny pictures. I mean, I'm just zoomed in on a a Sunday surfing, you know, (laughs) I mean, and it's done right though. Like it's not, not done right. So I think the dichotomy of your perfectionism with your creativity shows through all of your personalities with your brand. Um, And and when I say perfectionism. And are you hired good people to help you do that too? Yeah, yeah. 
so our Instagram has um, uh, a woman by the name of Claire has been running it uh, for a while now, and she's she's great. She's uh, she's young, but she gets us and she gets the brand. And for two guys, you know, who are the MTV generation, <laughs> and yeah. you know, who through Big Gay have been focused on kind of a nostalgic approach to a kitschy nostalgic approach to, to um, how we market things and the references we draw from. Um, it's you nice guys, to find people who like the them. candles thing is so good. Marissa, I don't know if you saw that speaking of nostalgia. Um, it said, don't worry, Molly Ringwall. We didn't forget your birthday. <laughs> Yeah. And it's a big gay cup in between them. Um, yeah. Love stuff like that. Love, love, love that. And you're right. I mean, by the way, my kid, I bet you my, my, my tween would love that movie. I got to watch out with her. But by the way, making the hire. And that's uh, that is one question. I have two, two more businessy questions to ask you, and then we can move into the fun question. That's our favorite way to wrap up. But um, with that and making a hire that gets you that can execute like, you know, Marissa and I have a teammate, Maris, who we adore who just like gets us and can like speak in our language and write a caption without me looking at it anymore, like knows how to be us. Um, do you have any advice for other small businesses starting out um, as they make their hires or as they grow? Any other advice that you can share of things, you know, obviously you could probably do a whole separate podcast about things you've learned and what you can share, but any one thing stand out to you um, as you've grown that you can share with other entrepreneurs? You know, um, I, I can say a few things, and this is something that um, actually does come up um, often. You know, we've actually gone and spoken to NYU business school classes and, and stuff like that. And, um, so that's always been really fun um, to, to talk to people. We basically tell them, don't do it like we did it. My <laughs> um, <Buy> wholesale. <laughs> you know, have, have a business acumen, um, have have a business plan, stuff like that. Now I would say uh, the, the things I always tell people are it's okay to say no. Um, sometimes saying no is as important as saying yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's okay to let opportunities not happen if they're not the right fit, you know, you, and, and I think that's hard for people who are just starting out who, who think, you know, I need to bring in as much money as possible, or I need to reach as many people as possible through whatever channel. Um, you know, I need to get on Shark Tank or, or whatever it may be. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's don't do anything that makes you uncomfortable. It's okay to say no, and and we said no a lot um, you know, throughout the beginning, especially. Um, and the other things I would say, you have to have the trifecta. You have to have a, a great lawyer, a great accountant, and a great shrink. So, <laughs> I feel like that could be your mantra. Yeah, maybe that's your mantra instead. Besides that, yeah. have the trifecta. That's a good mantra. Do you have a mantra? Is there something that you say or that, you're, that you say to your staff or you say to yourself? Um, um, uh. I don't know if I, if you'll bleep me or not, but don't be an asshole. Mm. <laughs> um, be nice. Um, so a few things, be nice. 
um, make it weirder. Uh, I, I find myself saying that a lot. <laughs> it's like, it's great. Now can, how can you make it weirder? Um, it's, uh, it's okay to fire the customer <laughs> is a, another thing, but, um, and, um, but yeah, I think being, being nice is, is the biggest thing. And, and this is, um, uh, you know, I'm not on Facebook. Uh, I, I haven't been, I, I'm not on Twitter or, or, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of social media. I understand its need from a business context. Mm. Um, but that's for me, as far as it goes, the only reason I'm on Instagram is because for me, it's a creative outlet. Um, you know, it, it really started out for me as an opportunity to uh, continue my art that seemed to have dropped away, you know, after art school uh, and uh, going into HR and stuff. This was now an opportunity for me to, to photograph and, and to show things and, and stuff like that. But, you know, for the longest time, Facebook, I think their motto was break things or something to that effect. And I just feel that's a, a horrible mentality to take. And, um, you know, it's, it's not only destructive, but it's also self-destructive. And um, I guess I understand where they're coming from, but I, the older I get to me, it's just about being happy and, you know, just be nice and um, people will be nice back. And, and that's really hard to do as, as a business owner or as an employer. And, um, you know, you make mistakes, <laughs> um, certainly along the way, but you learn from them. And as long as your heart's in the right place, I think people um, will be on board with you. Um, be creative and, and be nice. Be nice. So, yeah. Be nice. And you know what, Brian? Uh, you didn't ask me. I... Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, you didn't ask me uh, what joy means to me. And along with that, I did write an answer to it here. Um, I find my answer to what joy is, it's finding happiness in the ephemeral. Um, you, you know, pretty photos don't really matter in the long run. Uh, great ice cream doesn't really matter in the long run. Um, but but they are little shots of, you know, serotonin that just keeps you going and, and keeps your spirits up. And, um, you know, I look out here and I see, Oh, there's a cute little lizard just you know, on this uh, grill right now. And, uh, it's like, Oh, it's so cute. You know, that to me is, is what happiness is. It, I'm going to forget about this lizard in 15 minutes, but you know, it just kind of, made me smile. So that kind of ephemeral uh, experience, I think is really important. And, and it's important to hunt for those things, not just hunt for I couldn't you know, agree with the American more. dream and I happiness. Think, and, as, Marissa, as Marissa could share, um, you know, I tend to live my life pretty much by that same mantra, I guess, or, or theory or philosophy in that I'm always looking for sometimes they're harder to find and maybe for some other for for certain people it's they don't see them or they don't they yeah. can't find them um but to allow yourself to find them and like that you know every day sucks a little right now every day yeah. sucks a little and if we can find the smallest joys I mean the simplest things 
like a lizard or like my peony bush that is now in full bloom. That's going to be gone in two days. That literally brings me so much. I can't stop taking pictures of it. Like my Instagram feed is my, it like is like six days of this thing. It's like blooming and people are like enough already with the peonies. Yeah. I just am so obsessed with this thing. I can't take it. Um, but my point being, it's really important. That's, and that's great advice for others and also small businesses or just in general is to try to find those joys and to try to be cognizant of them when they are coming to you. Um, so to wrap up our favorite question, I mean, I could talk about this kind of stuff forever, but you know, we, we didn't get a chance to talk through all our questions. Obviously we, we go off script a little bit. Um, was there anything that we didn't get to ask you that you wanted to share anything that is going on with the business now? Um, anything that we didn't get a chance to cover? I know, like you said, we didn't ask the direct question. What does joy mean to you? And I'm so glad that you chimed in with that. Was there anything else that you wanted to make sure that you shared with us today that we didn't get to? Um, well, I mean, I would encourage people to, if they're in the New York area, to visit the gay ice cream. <laughs> um, you know, you know, we're in the process of trying to be nimble. You know, um, you know, can we move into more grab and go? You know, how can we get back? You know, should we get back into the street? You know, relive the truck days and and get back into mobile vending and, and stuff like that. So, so we're you know we're trying to figure all of this out just like everybody else. Um, and I guess the, the, the thing I would say in, in, in that regard, and um, I think Marissa, I said the exact same thing to you when we talked, um, was that the one thing that this year has really taught me is that if, if just because you fail doesn't mean you are bad at it. And just because you succeed doesn't mean you are good at it. And I, I think it's important to know that one, from a standpoint of being humble, <laughs> you know, success is as much luck and the universe as it is skill. Um, mm -hmm. And also, you know, failure is most of the time out of your control. Yeah. Um, a, and I think for me, I had to realize that when I had to, you know, when we had to make the decision, yeah, we just need to close, you know, that I, shop. I, I was wondering if you were yeah. going to bring that up. And I, I just, I, I can't, I'm so thankful for you to share that profound vulnerability. And, and, and also I'd like to commend you because I think we probably spoke about three months ago. So the, the wound of you closing a couple of the doors was fresh and it sounds to me that your work that you've done for yourself, for you to even say what you just said, for us to hear, for our audience to hear, for your community to hear, you, you've done the work to say those yeah. words because you sound to me a lot different than you did when we first talked. I'm looking at your well, post you. just now. I had this open um, from January and, and, and your team did such a great job. I know you mentioned her name before. I'm like blanking on it. Um, saying, you know, about 7th Street and um, how 7th Street was just not not the street that it was and, and that you wanted to be there. You guys wanted to be there to help it around, but you had to be able to, you had to, you had to get out too. And yeah. there is a feeling of failure in that. And, you know, we just, we just had a conversation 
Um, my old boss actually was on a, a panel of ours last week, and I have now quoted her several times because she said words like failing forward. Um, that sometimes failing, which is a variety of what you just said, you know, you made choices to keep big A ice cream going. And that was not you failing. It was you failing forward. And you were yeah. presented with things that were way out of anybody's control. And the good news is, is it's summertime and summertime COVID or not is ice cream time. And, you yeah. know, there's good coming again. And, and we have to believe in all that. Right. You know, and I, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't know the word because proud is really not my place to say, but I'm really inspired by you diving deep and like allowing yourself the grace and saying, okay, we did this. Mm -hmm. We built this business for 13 years. By the way, Jamie and I are a very similar boat. We had a business for a decade plus our staff's completely lean. Everything that we built it's just me and her right now. And yeah. it's okay. Like, <laughs> dude, the world just handed us like shit on a huge platter <laughs> and told us to eat it without a spoon. Like we just have been like yeah, dealing. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's time it's time to just allow ourselves to figure out how to get back up and stand up gingerly, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean and I, I'm, I, I'm very, I'm very, very, very inspired and emote to you tremendously because I know when you build something that's so incredibly, remarkably successful, and then it takes such an incredible hit where you would never have been prepared for it. It's gutting. It's gutting. Yeah. It's gutting. And but you're still here to talk about it. And that's the best yeah, part. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, I, I want to... I actually have to work on not focusing on the negative and uh, you know, Doug's Doug's the opposite. He he's, he's, he's more, much more good with the flow and things roll off his back much quicker than me. Um, so he's, he's one to always, you know, help me see things uh, you know, like, yeah, we've closed two businesses, but statistically, half of all New York city restaurants close in less than a year. And we've had, you know, we've had ones that have lasted over 10 and I'm right. hoping we'll have, a, a, you know, a, a, a historical place, you know, in, in uh, what is New York and New York. Cuisine well, I can't imagine like that. that you, so. I can't imagine that you won't, you yeah. know, and I, and I would love to welcome if you decide to do something mobile or pop up or, you know, kioski or what is the thing? The bike? What's the cool thing with the bike? Um, the carts? <laughs> yeah, the carts. We welcome you with open arms to the oh, Jersey Shore. Um, yeah, come to know. the Jersey Shore on our boardwalk. <laughs> be so you, fun. you can you can sail the the sea streak down to us right from right down from the um the the, the, the like by the ferries. Mm -hmm. And I mean, lots of people eat ice cream. Remember that. One of the things I said to you about Philly also. I think as New Yorkers and granted you're from somewhere else and you went to college somewhere else. And I think this is a good way to circle back to the top. There are lots of places in the country that can eat ice cream. <laughs> it doesn't oh, yeah, always yeah. have to be the yeah. most expensive place. Yeah. No, no, right. No, no, no. Not at all. We um, did, but we did a fifth year road tour um, where we took a truck through the Bible belt, 
We did five cities and five states in five days. We did North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. And it was so much work. And we were pretty much delirious by the end of it with no, running on fumes. But it was probably one of the funnest weeks that I've had within Big Gay Ice Cream. And the turnout was phenomenal. You know, we had, we would pull up to our, our spot um, coming from another city and there'd already be a couple hundred people in line. And it's like, this is so, South Carolina we're talking yeah. about here. Hey, listen, and, there are people down there. There are yeah. people down there that need a big day escape. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There are people they, they, and that, and again, you're providing an equalizer. You're providing yeah. an equalizer. We are all equal when it comes to ice cream. So yeah. I think um, maybe it's time to do another tour. There's some places in the I country so. that could use some ice cream. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, people could use some uh, ice cream now. And I if, think if we get a truck going again, I, w- I'll, I would love to do another road tour. We, we've said before, like New York is probably the only place Big A could have started, but it certainly can exist anywhere at this point. So. I agree. Well, I think this has been such a joy and um, that it's no pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> um, our last favorite question, and then we, we have to go, but um, yep. I, I love to ask, you know, we used to have several questions like this, but our favorite that we've ended with the last year or so it feeds into, um, you know, a, a project that I do with with new grads and career shifters called the Brand Crush Project. Um, we packaged it and, and trademarked it. It's a it's a foolproof method of how to look for jobs and really figuring out who you love and companies out there that do something you want to do. And then actually using your skills to try to work at places like that. Um, especially now. Right. We're all trying to find our authentic selves and bring our authentic selves to work. So I'd love to hear from you as a brand that personally I crushed on before meeting you and now even more so and so inspired by your story. I'm sure there's many, but do you have a brand crush? Do you think that there's anyone out there that has inspired you, um, but also just that you think is doing it well, that you think is whether through COVID or not, um, just another brand that you think is is inspiring for us all to see and watch. And as we know, you're a creative perfectionist. So whoever you say, I'm definitely going to follow suit and follow. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be honest, this is a tough question because um, I didn't know when I was looking at the question if I wanted to go like big and popular or 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 or. No, small and independent. And Do both. Do both. So, um, you know, I have mad props for a number of my friends who have um, probably have had to weather more than I have. Um, and I've learned a ton from them. And I, I, am, I love their perseverance and, and their creativity and you know, Doug and I joke that, you know, um, we're, we're, we don't have a food background. We're not, <laughs> you know, part of the, our charm is, is the fact that, 
you know, we admit to what oh, we don't yeah. know. And <laughs> it's, 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 it's like, just follow the adventure because we're, we're going to learn it same time you do. So there are so many amazingly professional people out there who, um, you know, have had to make huge changes in their own careers. I would say one of the people is um, a friend of mine. His name is Andy Ricker, R-I-C-K-E-R. And uh, he had a number of Thai restaurants that started in Portland called Pock Pock. And then they went to LA and, and New York. And um, he unfortunately had to pretty much close almost everything. Um, but he he's not he's uh, now living in Thailand. He's gotten married, um, and he's you know continuing to live his dream. And and it was one of those you know I had to close the door in these places. The other doors are opening, and I just need to keep moving. You know forward in that direction so so people like that for me who um I, I find a lot of inspiration in from a creative standpoint um i'm kind of obsessed with come big Garçon, the fashion company um i have like 14 of their fragrances in my bathroom <laughs> counter right now um so uh, in particular um one of the offshoots, uh, uh, the uh, fashion designer's name is Junior Watanabe. I just, uh, from a creativity standpoint and from a joy standpoint, just looking at what they, he does, uh, looking at his clothes, you know, every six months and, and just being fascinated by the endless, boundless creativity and skill that, that he has in his clothes. Uh, I wish I could afford them. That's all I'm ah, I, I wish I had somewhere to go. <laughs> somewhere, except that I, I wouldn't want to go. You know what? I wish I had somewhere to go and I was switching into that right in front of your truck on 14th Street. Let's all time, let's all time travel um, to those moments, right? You know, yeah, I think exactly. you you've shared a lot of great stuff. Um, I hope that we get to work together again. I'm thinking, I know you mentioned something about teaching at NYU. I have a feeling Jamie and I both heard that and we have something up our sleeves for our community um, this summer that I'm going to come to you with later in case it floats your boat. Um, I am now rushing. I'm actually um, en route to take uh, a, a teenager to uh, be part of the bigger story and get vaccinated. Um, so that is next on my, we're going to need some ice cream and I might need some ice cream with infused with tequila is all the feelings, hey, but, um, hey. you know, I want you to take send, send love to mom and thank you. Enjoy your time at home. Go to all your favorite haunts, spend time with those, you know, that lizard, take it all in. <laughs> and, uh, thank you exactly. for sharing your journey with us. It was well, a true, a true dream catcher story. Uh, in all, like, there's not one thing that you haven't shared. Like, every single one of your dots are the dots that we love. So oh, I, I really, really, really loved having you. It was a, a, like a real personal joy today. So speaking of joy, I had a personal I've joy. I've been watching myself. I've been watching myself in the, in the little picture within picture. And I'm like, I'm the most Howard Hughes, like, <laughs> coming out of... <laughs> <laughs> out of living in isolation look going on right now. You know, 
it's it's like a like by the way, can I just see the before I hang up, can I just see the butterfly tattoo? Because you flashed it a little bit, but I want to see it a little bit. Oh, I, I have I have numerous butterflies. They're beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Love by it. the way, I just uh, I have butterflies right now in my downstairs. We we raised a we raised some butterflies um from so my daughters and I like to do that where they like grow and then like is that come, easy come. or is that hard? I've never... um, well, for, for, for me, everything's hard, but no, it's not easy. It's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a cute, it's actually a really cute thing. Well, Marissa, I know you have to go get um, Sienna vaccinated, which is exciting for the fam. We're excited for Sienna to be able to do that. And it was such a joy to have you, Brian. And um, thank you to Ming and to Christian at shared universe for our sound um, Taja Collection, our sponsor. And just thank you for being here, Brian. And thank you for taking the time to share your story with our audience, which I think will be a big inspiration to the folks that listen to the Dreamcatchers and more to come from us for sure. So thanks so much and have a great weekend. Want more from the Dreamcatchers? Check us out, www.thedreamcatchers.life. In the spring of 2020, we launched the Dreamcatchers web an inclusive professional membership network dedicated to cultivating community and providing content about career inspiration and making magic. Are you a dream maker looking to inspire or a dream chaser looking for inspiration? Either way, join us today. A portion of our proceeds will benefit the Mental Health Association of Monmouth County because now more than ever, we need to bring light to the darkness. Thank you in advance for helping us lead with light. Everybody's looking for something.